1: Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, where we partner with you to bring hope and freedom on your journey to purity. Hey ladies, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming event, the Pure Desire Women's Conference. This two-day conference is designed to help all women find grace and peace in their daily lives. Doesn't that sound nice? Regardless of where you've been in your life, through this event, you'll get a break from the daily grind. You get a fresh dose of encouragement, and look, you'll also get practical tools to help you find emotional, spiritual, and sexual health. This conference is from April 5th through 6th at the Sheraton Portland Airport Hotel. I'm excited for you to hear from Heather Cole, Ashley Jamison, and our featured speaker, Patty Moreno. Come gather with other women looking to find ways to be healthier people in today's world. To register and get more info on the speakers, on the schedule, and more, visit puredesire.org slash pdwomen. Again, that's puredesire.org slash pdwomen. That's all I got for now. Enjoy the podcast. Hey there, I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and we're so thankful you're taking time out of your day to hang out with us. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Nick Stumbo. April showers, bring May flowers. That's right. That is right. So some of you who have not done podcasts before maybe don't realize that we don't always record these and post them on the same day. So we are technically recording in March, but this will air in April. So there's a little behind-the-scenes fact for you.
2: I, I, I just feel the need to apologize, because to me that felt like a pretty lame intro, and I, I just... We had two podcasts today. I felt good about the first one, but I just I just didn't have the intro for this one. But, you know, you can't have a winner every time, right? <laughs> Sometimes you have to just hit singles. Right.
1: The, <laughs> the uh, principle of sloppy seconds is definitely a thing in the podcast world. So this is our second one today, but we are excited. We have one of our favorite people. And yeah. I said that the last episode, but it's also true for this one. We have Ernie Chambers. Ernie is one of our regional group advisors, oversees our South region of the Pure Desire groups. He's married to Jackie Chambers, who we heard from last week, and uh, so he has lived the situation we are going to be talking through today. Ernie, thanks for being here, man.
3: Uh, thank you for having me. i welcome.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, it almost feels like we needed to air these two episodes back to back because if you were a-, a spouse who's in the situation we're talking about today that's been caught in some kind of sexual sin or addiction or affair, you maybe feel like you got a little bit hammered on last week and we didn't offer you much hope or help. So hopefully this week balances it out where we really can give some solid advice and encouragement to the guy or gal that's been caught
1: in their stuff and they're
2: reeling from it. So we're glad they're tuning in.
1: Yes, indeed. And and that's the thing. We're going to chat through really this, this tough situation and we're going to talk through some ways we can handle it so that we set up for future movement, future movement toward restoration and health. So, Uh, Ernie, maybe some of our listeners haven't heard uh, your story or your side. You know, we heard some of it last week um, on the episode with your wife. But can you give us a quick overview of really the addiction and that side of your story and how it all came to light in your marriage?
3: Well, my addiction started back in my adolescent years uh, when I was about seven years old. And through those years, I had the opportunity or not even opportunity, but I was just exposed to Uh, behaviors that I didn't really know anything about and uh, as I entered my teenage years it just manifested itself because of the things I surrounded myself with not by choice but what I saw what I was told you know what was spoken to me and over me and uh, it led to some behaviors that really intensified as I kept living and focusing on that Um, got married Brought it into my marriage, Uh, infidelity, adultery, affairs, you name it, Uh, porn usage was involved, Uh, the whole gamut. And it led to a loss of a job, uh, destruction in my marriage, almost lost my family. And uh, I just had a crisis of truth and I had to realize, you know, hey, what's important to me, my family or this mess I'm in? Mm -hmm. And uh, I made a conscious decision. I wanted help there was really not much help out there during that time back in 2000. And um, I just needed to get some help somewhere. So uh, after going to every man's battle, after going to a sport group, I really got some help when I joined this pure desire group and uh, it really opened my eyes to what I was going through and made me realize um, I'm a better man than this and and I need to find out who I was in Christ. And after going through the process of uh, understanding the problem, educating myself on it, and with the really sole help of Jackie, my wife, and helping me understand what my problem was, uh, we both teamed up and uh, we just went at it together. And to this day, I'm, I'm very thankful not only to God, but to Jackie for giving me an opportunity to really redeem myself.
2: Yeah, well, we're excited to get your wisdom and experience in this area of what what to do if we've been caught. What if we get caught red-handed in the middle of our our addiction or our sin? And so um, it occurs to me that many of us spend years, if not decades, maybe telling ourselves the lie that no one needs to know. Uh, They'll never find out. It's not hurting anyone because they don't know. And then all of a sudden, we're exposed. The lid gets pulled off, and there it is. And uh, it's a pretty emotional time. It's a pretty raw and difficult time. But what kind of encouragement would you give someone if they've recently been caught or exposed in their issues and behaviors? What are some first steps they need to take? Or what are just some initial ways that they can respond that would help move them forward um, as opposed to just trying to fix it and make it go away?
3: Well, you know, Nick, with me, I had to realize that I did have a problem. Most guys that Mm -hmm. I've worked with, uh, have a tendency to think that they don't have a problem. They think that it's normal for men to go through this as part of being a man. But, you know, the collateral damage that was involved, the people that were hurt, uh, not only my wife and daughters, and, but friends and family, relatives, and most of all, God. You know, I, I had to realize that what kind of, if I call myself a child of God, what, what was I doing? to please him and uh, my behaviors were really uh, erratic and uh, out of control and uh, I think with me the one thing that I had to do is acknowledge that I had a problem, confess it, and what did I want to do about it? Did I want to continue living this way or do I want to get some help and where can I turn? Who can I turn to? Because most people didn't understand my, my situation. They knew what I was doing but they didn't know how to help me. So I had nowhere to turn, but Jackie was my only source. And we got together and we really figured it out. She did the homework. I did the follow up. And I just committed myself. And I I just want to encourage those that are undecisive, uh, uncertain about what they need to do, is to reach out, acknowledge, seek that help. Because it's out there now. There's no reason why you can't find the help. It's out there. And you have more options now than I did almost 20 years ago. So I just want to encourage those who are, who are facing exposure or have faced exposure to really identify in confessing, acknowledging, and moving forward and yeah. just giving giving it to God.
2: Yeah, what I hear you saying, Ernie, is how important humility is. Um, And that willingness to change, I know in my experience, no, I wasn't caught because I'd usually confess before I was caught, but there are some similarities. And I know my focus far too often would be on trying to fix the situation or fix my wife's pain. And I wasn't putting near enough attention on how to actually fix me. And I think that's also what you're saying is, we have to be willing to look inside and say, I need to do some work here. And part of that is believing that we can be free, believing that we can change. And I think for many men or women that have been struggling a long time, they maybe feel like, well, this is just the way it's going to be. I can't really help it. Don't all men do this? And, and we're here to say change is possible. But you've got to be willing to humble yourself and seek that help uh, to find that path towards freedom.
1: You know, and maybe it's it's probably because I've been doing. I'm the marketing communications guy here at Pure Desire, and so for me, I'm I tend to think in numbers. Um, And one of the things that I've been really thinking about a lot has been the idea of of what kind of investment you're making now pays dividends later. And so that's just the way that I think about this. And you guys are right on that. If I invest in humility up front, if I get caught and I'm humble at the get, and I'm willing to own what's mine, at the end. It's going to pay more dividends than if I were to uh, keep it quiet or be dishonest or deflect or blame someone else. It's just that idea of if I'm willing to be honest and own what's mine in a really humble and look, humility is not fun. It sucks. It is never, uh, at least for me, it's never my first reaction or my first response to think humility. But if you can do that, it's going to pay dividends Uh, exponentially down the road not just for your health but also for the health of your marriage and your family and your kids and then your kids kids it's definitely a legacy that you're setting and so understanding that the investment in humility you guys are right on it's huge so when you find yourself in this situation uh where you've been caught doing something wrong just in your experience ernie what should you avoid what should you not do kind of flipping the script on this on this last question
3: Oh, man. Uh, I think the one thing that I did was I I had to avoid denial. You know, I had to avoid running away from the problem because too much collateral damage was done. You know, I hurt too many people. Uh, Relationships were were broken and and destroyed and they knew what I was doing. You know, my behaviors were very uh, open and uh, transparent as far as uh, my communication with them, and they knew something was wrong. And they encouraged me, get some help, man. I don't care where you go, but get some help. And I think getting out of that denial stage and, and just acknowledging it and then finding the help. Talk to somebody. I talked. I went to talk to my pastor. I went and talked to – I had three guys that I uh, had accountability with, and didn't really know that it was as much accountability as I needed. But these guys, I, I confided in them. I let them know what I was going through, and I needed their support. And these were the three guys that really were my backbone back then. And uh, they really didn't have an idea of the severity of what, I'd, what I've done, but they knew that I had a problem, and they wanted to just encourage me, to just seek help, and they're there for me. The things that I wouldn't – i should avoid or shouldn't do is continue to lie about it Mm -hmm. stop lying about it because you know the evidence is there you know the the hurt and the pain is there the the family members and everybody involved they see it and and when we take ownership of what we've done especially in in this addictive behavior situation It shows them that we recognize we have a problem and we're aiming to do something about it. So I think those are some of the things that really helped me is getting out of that denial and accepting what I've done and taking ownership of it and then not hiding behind or having a facade of of feelings and emotions that made it look like I didn't have a problem. So Yeah
2: there's a sense in this situation that we wanted to get caught. A part of us wanted to be exposed. And so we need to see this as an opportunity to let that crud, let that stuff in our life come to the surface and be dealt with. But if we deny or minimize or continue to lie about it, it just prolongs the pain and it prolongs the process. You know, I've heard Dr. Ted Roberts in our counseling department here say that um, spouses don't leave because of the truth. They leave because of the lies. And so we have this fear that, well, if they know the whole truth, they'll leave me. And, and Ted and Diane Roberts have talked about how you would you would not believe what couples can survive. You would not believe the amount of infidelity or issues that that when there's truth and humility and a true desire to change, spouses can make it work. The ones that don't, by and large, are the ones where there's ongoing deception and attempts to cover up. And I guess that'd be my encouragement. If you're in this situation— let it be big. Let it be the end point where it all comes to the surface and you deal with it versus trying to self-protect and self-manage is just going to make it worse.
3: Bring light to the darkness. That's right. And
1: don't... uh, Genesis 3, don't blame, right? That's the thing. Adam blamed... Eve, and that is the default position of the human Mm. condition, is to point the finger to someone else. Well, someone did this to me when when I was a kid, or... Well, if
3: you... Right. You're not giving me what I
1: need. I'm not getting what I deserve. Whatever. Don't point the finger, because if you point the finger... You know, you've heard that thing. If you point one finger at at me, you're pointing four back at yourself, right? Like... That principle applies. Even though it's cheeseball, it applies. The idea is you're the one who decided to act this way. And so take responsibility. Don't blame. And and understand, here's the thing, I have to say this. Understand that in the blood of Christ, you can take responsibility, but that's paid for. You don't have to wear that shame. You have to own the consequences of what happened, but you don't have to wear that as your identity. And so don't blame other people.
2: Totally agree. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so, Ernie, when we've been caught like this, when we're in a situation where things are being exposed, it's really normal for our spouse to want to know all the details. I mean, the nitty-gritty right down to the finest little thing that happened. If we're the one that's been caught, should we give into to that and just share every single detail? Or how, how do we maybe navigate that difficult situation?
3: Well, the one thing that I did with Jackie is uh once i returned from a conference that i went to i sat down with both uh, my daughters danielle and kendra and jackie and i just began to share with them uh my experience and and what was going on in our marriage and what i did to their moms and you know it was it was it was pathetic it was hurtful but i didn't share everything and i believe that just letting them know, Jackie and the girls, just letting them know, hey, dad did something really bad. You know, I didn't treat your mom correctly. I didn't love her like I should. You know, I was doing things that really wasn't making our marriage whole. And uh, I talked to them on a level to where they understood that there was something wrong. And I left it at that. And I didn't divulge everything. Because right now, the exposure of the pain and hurt that they received was enough already. And to go into detail, and there was explicit details as well, they weren't, they weren't prepared to receive that. So I decided to just hold on to it to a later time to where I was healthy enough to bring the truth, and they were healthy enough to receive it. So I just waited and I felt that that was the best thing to do in our situation because throwing it's like dumping a big trash can full of guck and muck on, on, on your loved ones and expecting no smell. It's 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 going to be dirty. It's going to be messy. It's going to be nasty and it's going to be painful. And so the best thing that I can suggest based on my experience and what I went through is just letting them know that there's been some some damage, some hurt, some pain caused by myself, and take ownership of it. And then later, I'd like to talk to you guys about it. Mm-hmm. And it's more receptive that way when they see that I'm willing to talk and they see my heart. So that's where I am with really opening up and sharing that. And I wouldn't divulge everything because they're not yeah. ready for it. Nobody's ready for that.
1: Well, and understand too that as the addict or the person who's struggling, getting everything out there is important. But understanding that your spouse and your kids or your family, they don't have to be that, those people. And that's the whole point of really being in a group. And that's why pure desire groups are set up the way that they are. That's why disclosure is a part of group where you can actually, for the first time, and I remember... Um, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but I remember when I shared for the first time that I had had uh, a sexual experience with another guy when I was a young kid. And I remember it was the one thing I was taking to my grave. No one would ever, ever know. No one would know. I remember shaking as I was reading my full disclosure, the paper just rustling around. and, And I just remember finally when I said it there was just this huge weight that came off of my shoulders and so I know the power of being able to be fully honest and I think a lot of people especially if you get caught you want that you want to be able to just spew it all out there but understand that your spouse your family is not the people to spew on it's you need to find that safe place in a group of people who have shared experiences who are that safe place who can take that on so just be aware of that yeah, and we want to be clear that
2: your spouse does need to know everything, but that's why in a Pure Desire group, we take people through a disclosure process so that it's it's fact-based, not emotional, uh, that it's more about the extent of your behavior and not the details. So to really think through, how do I get it all out there? Because like you said, Ernie, bring it all into the light, but not be sharing unnecessary, unhelpful details like about our fantasy life or particular websites or Things that just, they don't really help anyone. Um, so a disclosure process that with wisdom you can walk through and see, okay, here's how I can make sure it's all out there. That's what we really advocate um, and not just to do what, what we call emotional vomiting or what you said, Ernie, of dumping the garbage can out on someone and being like, oh, aren't you so proud of me for getting all this on you? And they're like, no, it stinks. Um, so there's a way to do it that it's still hard, but at least it's, it's more redemptive when we do it with a lot of thought and wisdom.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I'd like to mention, you know, stagnant disclosure. And uh, Ted talked about that uh, previously. Uh, Stagnant disclosure. I kind of explain it to our guys in our group, like replacing the dagger in our wife's heart and turning it again. Hmm. And every time we bring stagnant disclosure together, it's like I'm doing it to you again. How about this? how do you feel about this? Are you ready for this? And it's, 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 it's very damaging. It's very damaging. So I try to encourage the guys to just wait until they complete the group, right. the pure desire group and get with a counselor, write your, have your disclosure written down so that you will have three to five months to really put your thoughts down, put the truth down, put everything down so that there won't be anything unsaid and undone. And that way, you can have disclosure with that mediator, with that with that layperson or whoever it may be that could help ease the pain, so that your wife can be receptive to your disclosure.
1: And and two, the idea of waiting that length of time, especially if you're in a group, you're able to not only uh, better understand maybe and get a scope with it all written down what actually happened, but also you're digging into why it happened. You're digging into what's at the, really at the root of your addiction and how it played out. And so instead of that staggered disclosure where you're just over and over and over again, you're waiting a period of time so that you can create the full narrative and then reveal that in a way that is going to be less damaging um, in the long run, may hurt a lot at the beginning when you first tell it, but it's going to be a whole lot better than if you just stagger it over and over and over. So, so, Ernie, because of this situation, uh, it's super easy for a family to feel very, very unsafe, uh, to wanna leave, uh, to separate, to take time away. If you're someone who is in this situation and you've been caught, how do you respond to that? What What do you do if your family does wanna leave or if separation needs to happen?
3: Well, that very same thing happened to me with Jackie and I. Um, towards the middle of my the beginning recovery, Uh, Jackie had decided that it was time for me to leave because of some uh, scary situations that really put my family in danger. And uh, she told me that I had to leave and it it was fearful to be away from my family, to be away from my daughters, to be away from my only connection in life really. And um, But I had to accept it because I was a threat to their safety, I was a threat to their their well-being and I didn't want to put my family in that type of predicament I've done enough already and I just felt that who am I to say this isn't right I'm not in my right mind I'm not in, my mindset is 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 thwarted you know I'm not thinking clearly and she came to the conclusion that you know we're not safe we're not protected and with you still in your mess and not getting the help yet We need to feel safe. And I had to understand that. I had to get out of myself and understand what my family was asking of me and demanding of me. And so I respected that. And I left, and I left for about six months. And you know, it was peace for my family. It was peace for Jackie and the girls. And I had to understand that. And I had to just take myself away from the situation and seek the help that I needed. And I think that was best. So I I encourage them, if you've been asked to leave, you need that time to really get a hold of yourself and let God come in and do what he needs to do. It's a process and it's going to take a while, but you need to get that process started and it starts with you coming out of yourself, denying yourself and protecting your family.
2: Well, and the problem can be when a lot of uh, men, in particular, see this as like punishment, and so they're resistant to it, and they feel like it's shameful. Um, and from that perspective, yeah, it's it's hard to be open to it. But if we could shift our mindset and see this as a way to serve our spouses, as a way to provide for them what they need for their healing, and to see that it may actually be healthy for us too, even you know being asked to sleep in a separate bedroom. I know men that you know they put their foot down and like, well, we're married and we're and they don't see they're, they're making it worse. Their their wife is asking for space to work on something and and to be open to that as to say, "Honey, if if that's what you need, I'm I'm okay with that." And trusting that God will use that as you pray through. What's the purpose of this separation? So, um, I would encourage if if you're a man or woman being asked to leave, you know, make sure you go to a safe place, go be around safe people. Don't put yourself in a more vulnerable place by you know, living in a, an apartment by yourself where no one knows you. I mean, that's an exposed place to be. So who's a family member? Who's a friend? Who's a pastor? Someone that you'll still feel a sense of um, being known and being safe. Uh, try to go to a place like that.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think that what you guys are talking about takes humility again. And that just seems to be a theme already through these questions that you can't do that unless you have a humble posture where you really want what's best for everyone else involved as well so really keep that in mind
2: so ernie here's a kind of tough part of this situation Um, maybe what someone's been caught up in is illegal and if if they've been caught in something illegal what kind of steps do they need to take
3: oh wow i ran into a couple of those uh, just recently early 2018. Uh, my situation regarding my job you know, being in corrections for 15 years and and having to uh, face the reality of over-familiarization, uh, it was illegal. It was uh, against the laws. And uh, when I went in my best investigation hearing, I admitted I didn't lie. I didn't pacify anything. I, I didn't hide behind anything. I knew I had a problem and I felt the only way to direct this problem for attention is to just confess, to bring truth to this situation and don't hide behind anything because I'm only gonna make it worse. I'm only gonna make the punishment more severe. And this is my way out Mm -hmm. to really see myself getting help for a serious problem that I've had for so long. And uh, that process went very smoothly, Charges were not pressed, although there were anticipation of pressing charges. But God made a way to where there were no charges filed. And I was so thankful. And that those were signs to let me know that I was on the right road to recovery. I was on the right road to doing the right thing. So I encourage men in, in our groups, in our Pure Desire groups, in our orientation. I always have a session to where we talk about legal problems, if you're on parole, if you can't be around certain environments or people or anything like that, I always suggest talk to someone, get with me so that we can make sure that this is a conducive environment for you to succeed. If you're facing legal problems, let me know. You know, we need to put you in an environment to where it's going to be conducive for you to succeed and, uh, and be honest and transparent about it. Don't lie because things have a tendency to catch up with you, right? When you think you're doing well, I'd hate for a probation officer or or your social worker to come into our group and do something crazy and then everybody's subpoenaed, then the confidentiality throughout the whole group is broken. And now we've put everybody in a situation to where our group is done, you know, and I don't want to put any men in that situation so we we have things in place to really help protect them when it comes to legal problems but that's why we have orientation we want to let these guys know we're here for you and we want to be there for you and legal problems we have to address before you start the group so just want to encourage them in that
1: so i did a little bit of research and by that i mean i talked to rich moore our international group coordinator about this and the two things that he told me was that Getting an attorney is really important, practically, especially if something is illegal. Getting an attorney is is important, and then also he talked about the importance of self-reporting. Um, that if you come forward and self-report, that always looks better, and um, yes. may may not necessarily because let's let's be honest, Ernie, your situation worked out really really well. Not everyone's is going to work out as cleanly uh, or as smoothly, but self-reporting is going to always help that process. Um, doesn't mean it's gonna make it better, but it's always gonna be better if you self-report. Um and then also just I mean, and we've said it so many times, just to reach out to us, you know. Maybe you wanna reach out to Ernie, maybe you wanna reach out to Rich, maybe you just wanna call our number. Uh, just reach out. I mean, that's just always gonna be the most important thing you can do. All right, Ernie. So if in if an addiction is revealed in a marriage and they have kids, and we talked to Jackie, your wife, about this a little bit last week, um from the perspective of the addict or the person struggling, should we tell our kids about what go, what's going on? And I, and I think, you know, through our conversation last week, the answer is yes. So my question is, what do we tell them? How do we tell them? You know, talk about your experience a little bit in that.
3: Well, as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, I did talk to the girls, my two girls, and uh, at the time they were 10 and 5, but I knew that I were talking to children. And so I just let them know that I hurt mommy pretty bad and I'm really sorry for it. I, I feel bad. I feel horrible, but I want to spend the rest of my life making it better. And I want you guys to support me. And when those two girls told me that dad, whatever it takes, I want to, we want to support you and we mm-hmm. believe in you. We know you didn't mean to hurt my mom. And you know, I'm, I'm balling, man. I'm, I'm sitting yeah. up here and I'm balling. And, uh, That right there made me really understand how important this problem was and how important it was for me to move forward. And so as they got older, when they got 18, 20, 22, I sat both of them down and I talked to them. I didn't tell them everything when they were younger, but as they matured and they grew to really receive this with understanding, I told them all the details. And I told him that I wanted to be honest as their father, as their spiritual leader, as their dad. I want to be honest and transparent with you. This is what I did to your mom years ago. And for the last 10, 15 years, I've been working really hard at trying to improve that. And I've been very successful in doing that. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm working on it. And I will continue to work on it for the rest of my life. And so I kind of gave them that understanding and that promise that this is what I'm trying to do. And they've been praying for me since day one. And it has made my journey so wonderful, so peaceful. And having their understanding and blessing has really, really made a huge difference. So it depends on the age and the progression of their maturity. And I had to keep an eye on that because there were times when I wanted to tell them but I didn't feel that it was right and they weren't old enough. But as they reached their adult ages, I felt that it was time and I had to tell them. I had to let them know. I didn't want them to go into other relationships, their marriages and always wondering, what was up with that? Why didn't you tell me about it a couple years ago? Or why didn't you tell me that before I got married? You know. So I wanted to make things clear. That's good.
2: I think about our kids and think about what kind of story do we want them to tell about us? You know, that we we can fall into a lie that says we need to be a perfect dad or have it all together, that that's what our kids need when really our kids need to see vulnerability. They need to see how we recover from problems. They need to see how we own our mistakes. And there's an opportunity, if, if you've been caught in this issue, there is an opportunity with your kids that you may never have again to go before them and with integrity say, I've I've done some things that are very hurtful to your mom, but um, I, I recognize it. I'm repenting and watch how I'm going to I'm gonna make this right. I'm going to work very hard to restore what I've broken. And, and the ways that you're communicating there, what it means to be a man, to take ownership, to take responsibility, to protect your marriage, protect your family. I mean, you can display that much better through your honesty and your willingness to change than trying to act like, oh, it's no problem. It's my oh, mom's just she's going off the handle about something or, um, that, that, that over time is going to have a very, very negative impact on your kids. So don't, don't buy into the lie that, um, being perfect is what they need. They, they want to be able to tell a story of, yeah, my mom and dad had problems, but I watched my dad change and I watched how he worked on that, that that's going to be far more meaningful. So taking that step with your kids, I think is really, really important. Sure.
1: Uh, And the reality is your kids know you have problems. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I've got a two year old at home and I already know that he knows that I'm not perfect. But that idea of um, this is something I've said, you know, a few times on the podcast. But the idea of if I present that I'm Superman to my kids, then. They're never going to come to me with their problems. But if I'm willing to be humble and honest about what's going on in my life and my struggles and do it at an age appropriate level, I'm creating that space and that relationship where they can come to me if they struggle. Uh, You know, and that was one of the things I struggled with as a kid. I felt like my dad was Superman and I didn't know that I had that channel where I could go and talk to him. Um, And so doing this, being honest, having conversations with them, not only is helping you and helping your family now, but just thinking about the kind of culture that you're creating, again, is just so, so important.
3: Yes.
2: So we've talked about this a little bit, but um, Ernie, you know, the, the nature of this issue is it's cloaked with a lot of shame. It's kept really secretive. And our natural reaction is to maybe moralize or minimize the situation uh, but in your experience, what are the negative effects of not owning our behavior and being honest about the issue?
3: Oh, wow. You know, reverting back to your old behaviors, mm. going back to what you're familiar with, what you're used to, because it was your covering, it was your safe place. You know, it, 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 your, it was your go-to place, because once you leave that behavior, and you want to minimize what you've done you want to say well it wasn't that bad i mean most guys go through the same thing you know but you know they got over it so i really don't have to go through this process you know I and mean, we need to stop that we need to stop trying to hide behind something that has been protecting you for so long and that's the lie the deception The enemy is is good at that. And those are his tricks of the trade. And when you continue to give him power and authority in your life, then he's going to put you back in that shell. And just like a tortoise and a turtle, you're going to go right back in there and hide and wait for the coast to clear. And uh, you'll never face the issues that you you have to face because you're going to have to face them one way or another. And it's best to just face them and deal with them. And it's better to deal with the reality of shame and guilt to get over it than as opposed to going back in your shell and never having to face it. And no one will ever know who you are. You'll never know who you are in Christ. And, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. I
1: just, I mean oftentimes the best the best and biggest changes in our life the front door to that is is a painful experience that just seems to be the reality in life and i mean even if you look at scripture suffering is how we grow it's one of the primary tools god uses Um, And I'm not trying to even minimize the situation, because if this is a situation you're in, it's extremely painful and extremely difficult. But understanding that there is hope in it, that God can and will use the situation to change you and to heal you if you're willing to lean into that. Um, You know, one of the tensions of, of, you know, the idea that the Holy Spirit is the one who's working, but we have to partner with. Like, that's also true here. You have to be willing to put in the work. But take advantage of the opportunity. It may look like a huge hurdle that's in your way, but in reality, it could be a huge open door to change into healing.
3: Most definitely.
1: So, Ernie, we're gonna keep going here. Only a couple more questions. When we are caught or exposed, uh, a natural reaction might be to keep this quiet, to just deal with it, maybe as a couple. Um, and I know that you know. Right now, in this episode, we're talking a lot about if the guy, if the the husband is the addict, but This can go both ways. Um, This can go either way. And so understanding as a couple um, that sometimes you want to either do it just as a couple or maybe with a counselor. But just again, you guys' experience, what role does a community have? How can our church or our friends be a part of really the support system and the movement forward in this situation?
3: Well, in Jackie and I's situation, we were very fortunate to be a part of a marriage ministry who the leaders were my best friend's sister and brother, sister and husband. And we were connected with them and they knew what was going on with us. And they are the ones who are responsible for everything that we do because they took us in. They knew about our problems. They knew about my problem even before Jackie and I got married because, her, her brother was my best friend, so we hung out a lot, but they've always known that there was a problem with me, and when we got married and she saw the, the things that were happening, they said, you know what, give us an opportunity to speak into you guys' life to help you, and do what we can to really help solidify this marriage, because we love you guys, and we care, and that's the kind of community that we surrounded ourselves with, and we talked to a couple pastors, and You know, they offered their advice, but community, people that we surrounded ourselves with, couples that had a heart for couples, for understanding marriage and husband and wife relationships, covenant marriage. These were the two people that really spoke into our lives and helped us along the way. And we are very indebted to them and thankful for them mentoring us, guiding us and leading us. And uh, I can't tell you how how much community has been uh, a meaning to us. I mean, it's, it's critical. It's critical. You know, yeah. Ted Roberts says if your mess happened in the community, it has to heal in the community. So we need to really get back into community and face those that we've hurt and show them through our actions, through our change of behaviors, our renewing of minds and transformation of hearts, that we're sorry and we want to make amends but we want to make amends through our behaviors through our through our lives and living it showing them that we really mean business and we want to change for the better so yeah. community is absolutely important
2: yeah yeah we got into this dark cave alone we're not going to get out of it the same way and i i remember when my counselor told me that i had to join a group and i was like uh, can't I just tell you? And we kind of work this out between the, the two of us and move on. And, and he yeah. said, no, if, if you don't make this group a top-shelf priority, you probably won't change. And, and as I look back now, it's so obvious why, that had I only told the counselor there would have still been so much self-protection, uh, such a fear of rejection with other men or that need to perform for love. And, and in a group, when I got real and shared all my stuff and heard others doing the same and found out that I was still accepted – that I was still loved, that I had a place of belonging. I mean, I share that that's probably where I first experienced truly the love of God and understood it because I was fully known. And until we're fully known by our peers and able to experience um, acceptance and love from them, it's hard for us to actually know what real love is. And so that's where exactly. community in my story and in so many others is just a crucial, crucial part of the healing. If if we don't share in community, we're probably not going to heal.
1: Yeah,
3: Yeah, absolutely uh, right, man.
1: One of the things too, and this is something that the community of friends that I have right now um, in our church and and really just um, in our lives is is we're realizing that when we're able to to share and to be honest about this stuff and welcome people in, what it does is it opens the door for them to share too. Um, I think that there's this kind of subtle behind the scenes almost competition. Uh, sometimes that happens, uh, and I don't think we really know about it, but between couples in a community, it's like, oh, well, we seem like we're doing better than that couple, or maybe we're not doing as good as this. there's always this like comparison game. And I think that when you're able to just be honest and own stuff like this, it gets rid of that game. Like the shame goes all the way down and everyone's like, you're messed up. Guess what? Me too. And we just share about what's going on. And I'm not saying that to be lighthearted about this topic, and I'm not saying that you should share this topic or this situation with everyone, but understanding that if you invite other people into the healing process, you're going to see that it helps a lot of other people, not just yourself in your own relationships. Yes, it does.
2: Well, Ernie, we appreciate so much the way that you're willing to share your story um, to help other people uh, to be on the podcast and just talk openly about what God has done in your lives uh, through a difficult situation. So now as a regional group advisor, I know you get a chance to help many men in this area and that are maybe dealing with this exact situation of getting caught and exposed and what to do about it. Uh, So as you think about um, some final encouragement, what would you want to say to someone who's listening today and find themselves in this situation? How would you encourage them?
3: Well, you know, Nick, first and foremost, I would tell them two of my favorite words since I've been in recovery, and that's honesty and transparency. And I learned more about that when I became part of a pure desire group than I did in any other group I've ever belonged to. Honesty and transparency goes a long ways in life and it's part of your recovery. You can't do recovery without those two characteristics. They become your life, they become who you are. Honesty and transparency. It's heart, spirit, mind, body, it's everything. And when you learn to be truthful, not only with yourself and with others, especially with God, you you that transformation takes place. You see a part of life and a part of yourself that you never thought would ever happen. You know, for me, I used to lie a lot, but when I started being honest and truthful and transparent, and I said, Man, I don't have to lie about that you know man i can tell the truth and not be condemned or anybody say anything about questioning my my opinions be honest be open freedom purity wholeness go after those things that's what's important there's no success or security in the false identity that the enemy is trying to give you You come forward seek god with all your heart all your mind get connected to a pure desire group learn how to be a man learn to know who you are in christ and walk in that live in that because there's so much freedom so much freedom in that yeah so i would strongly encourage men and women absolutely be careful yeah
1: i think uh for me humility is just the theme, you know, I kind of, I think through this, through this episode and, and not only, um, here's what I, here's what I'm saying. This is what I'm getting down. Okay. Humility, regardless of how the situation goes, humility will always be your best approach regardless of if it ends in a divorce or if it ends with a broken family or it ends with a season uh, of really, really difficult times before it, it it gets better, to just know that humility is going to help and is going to be the best way to move forward. That's our friend Rodney Wright always says that. Humility is the best way forward. And I really think that that's true. That even if you don't understand the hurt and the pain that you've caused people, but you're approaching this situation with humility, it's still going to minister to people. It's still going to help those uh, who are around you and And look, I've never regretted being humble um, the very few times that I feel like I actually did it well i I have not regretted it. Uh, I understand how helpful it is for me moving forward. And I've seen fruit from being humble. So to understand that you're not laying over and letting people run over you, but humility is actually uh, doing good for your own soul. That's just my encouragement. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: And I think my final
2: encouragement would be to use this. You know, the temptation will be to get it over with, to just try to make her happy, to get him off your back, to move on, you know, put in a few guardrails and think we're going to be okay But if that's all you do, you know, just have the big tearful confession and change a couple of things, you're probably going to be back here. And if there's anything more painful than being caught, it's being caught again or having to confess again. And as someone that confessed, you know, um, as someone that confessed over and over to my wife for 10 years, that is not what you want to keep doing. And every time my focus was more on just, you know, fixing it, fixing the pain, but not really using it. the full extent and so that's my encouragement is if you've been caught or if you've confessed if it's being exposed use it go all in do whatever it i mean get in a group get in counseling and it will be worth it that's what i can tell you like you'll look back and say i am so glad i didn't let that behavior go on in my life one day longer we did everything to make a transition because there's again there's probably a voice in your head right now saying oh your story's different. It's not that bad. You'll never do it again. And those simply put are are lies of minimization and rationalization. And if you listen to them, you'll be here again. And I, I don't want you to have to go through this pain again. So use it, let God redeem it, let it become part of your story. And I think you'll just, you'll see this as one of the greatest things God ever did.
3: Whatever it takes. That's
1: right uh ernie brother thank you so much for what you do your willingness to share your story you have expertise in this area because you lived it and have found healing and restoration and healthy relationships and and look this is such an awful situation it's so easy to feel hopeless and alone in it we hope that hearing some of ernie's story and his experience helped bring some hope for you and your situation if you want to hear jackie and ernie uh, tell their story and how they got whole uh, go back and listen to episode 47 they share their story really how they found restoration got healing in their marriage and they talked about how they're they are helping men and women today with the same issues so if you are in this situation if you want help or in need of hope you can contact us directly 503-489-0230 the best way to heal from these situations look it's to reach out and to ask for help we can help you Our group structure is created to put people together who shared experiences and help them walk the roadmap of healing. So don't do this alone. Ernie, thanks so much, man. Appreciate your time.
3: Thanks for having me. It's nice seeing you guys.
1: Great job, Ernie. Way to go, man. Yeah. And thank you for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to keep up with the podcast, please subscribe, download, and share. You can also rate and review our podcast. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for others to find the podcast. For more information, you can also check out our website, puredesire.org, and you can follow us on social media at puredesirepdmi. Once again, that's at puredesirepdmi. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. For more information, check out our website, www.puredesire.org. Check in each week for new content on the podcast. And we pray that it will help you find hope and freedom on your journey to purity. Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire Podcast.
0: Every woman that takes a breath. This is going to be one of our best resources that we've ever put out. They're wanting to be married. They're wanting to be sexual. And they're saying, what does this even look like? Is it even okay to have these discussions? I think that's one of the things that's interesting about women who struggle is that we don't take good care of ourselves. We, We are the last person, and sometimes we are taking care of everybody else, but we're the last person that we take care of. And that, I think, is my favorite part about these resources.